Securities and investment advisory services offered through Next Financial Group. Member FINRA SIPC. Sierra Ridge Wealth Management is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Welcome back to the Wealth Accelerator Podcast. I had the opportunity today. I was fortunate enough. I got asked by Maria Casillas to be a guest speaker on her podcast. It's called Make Money Behave. So go check out her show. But but I also got the recording and wanted to upload it here for you guys so you could hear it as well. I thought we had a great conversation and super nice of her to have me on. I actually got to meet Maria a few months back at the conference in Las Vegas that I told you guys about with Sam Crowley. And luckily, we've been able to keep in touch. She's actually a financial coach. She helps people with their mindset with money. So a little bit different than what I do, but we both thought that we have a similar message and we could share a lot of value working together. And we got to talking and it was a pretty long recording. So I'm going to cut it up into two pieces for you guys. So I hope you enjoy the first part of the interview and look out for part two coming soon. Thanks, guys. I'd like to just welcome everybody to learn a little bit about Hunter Lowry. He is somebody that I met the other day. Well, not the other day. I guess it was, what, two, three months ago now. And just really, really appreciate the way that you do things, Hunter. And so I'd just like to welcome you to the show. And thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah, of course. Appreciate, uh, appreciate you having me out. And um, I was actually talking to somebody yesterday from our Vegas event also, and it's kind of psychotic how much everything's <laughs> changed since the last time we saw each other, but it um, is. we've still been able to keep up and everything. Yes, yes. And so you mentioned Vegas, so I'll let my listeners know that that is the event that I've, I've brought up quite a few times actually on the show over the last couple of months because it was such a life-changing event for me, not just because of of the people that we met or even the content that was there, but I think because of the circumstances under which we all met and yeah. and just how crazy it is, like you said, almost psychotic, that, mm, what's the best way to say it? Just with the circumstances that we came out of into that, like we walked into this, it's almost like you can't really think you can get traction with anything or people think the world is totally falling apart and ending. And we were able to be in a completely different mindset when we walked out of there. So we're surrounding ourselves with just a completely different group of people, I think. And it has made all the difference. So that is one of the reasons I wanted to invite you onto the show because I think that so many times right now people are just stuck in this idea that everything is so topsy-turvy and how could I possibly start investing and all of that. So, but before we even get into any of that, people don't know who you are, right? They don't even, yeah. like, they don't even know you're a, a financial planner at this point. So I want to just give you an opportunity to share a little bit about who you are and kind of what you do. What do you love to do? Yeah. So like you said, my name is Hunter Lowry. I live in Auburn, California. Um, it's kind of in between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe. So it's a pretty cool spot. I mean, I have a 45 minute drive if I want to go to Lake Tahoe. It takes me two hours to get to San Francisco where it's pretty nice. I mean, we're close to everything. But like you said, I'm a financial advisor. I work for an independent wealth management firm. It's called Sierra Ridge Wealth Management, and that's located in Sacramento, California. So normally I make that drive every day and I'm driving two hours a day. But oh. <laughs> with, this, with this whole coronavirus thing, it's saving me a lot of time and I'm doing a lot more Zoom calls. So, but yeah, that's what I do. Um, you know, our, my company's a little bit different than the bigger name firms. Most people, when you think of a financial advisory firm, 
top companies that come to mind, you know, Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, Wells Fargo, Edward Jones. We're not a big wirehouse like that. Kind of the benefit of being on the independent side and why I went that way really is to give myself the most opportunity that I possibly could because I don't have any back door relationships with any mutual fund companies, any insurance companies, I mean, any of that. So I'm not tied to any certain products. I basically have the world of investments at my fingertips that allows me to customize models and portfolios per each client's needs. And I just really wanted to have that sort of freedom to be able to do what I can do best for my clients. So it's how I ended up on the independent side. That's awesome. And I think that's how I actually became, um, attracted to the way that you do things hunter because oftentimes people think there's like a one size fits all and you know this is the plan that i'm going to do and you can come in and all the numbers might change but this is the plan this is the strategy right and i don't do that and i know that you don't do that either and that's one of the things i'm like yes i was just drawn to that because really there are as many strategies as there are human beings i think you know we have to be willing to tweak things and just make it something that will that the person will actually kind of stick to. And so some people, if you're listening today, I want to just say some people ask the difference between a financial advisor and a financial coach. And I know I didn't ask you you know, to really think about the difference between that. So I'm just going to throw this out there and just say that a financial advisor is the person who is certified. They are specifically trained in different strategies, different products that are going to help somebody get to somewhere. Um, and it's kind of like for the long haul, right? A financial coach is more of that person who um, can kind of help prepare someone for your services. So if you have somebody who comes to you for services and you're like, um, you're kind of in the red every single month, you know, yes, I know you want to, I know you might want to invest in your good job for thinking about your future, but if you are running a, a negative $200 every month in your cash flow, we don't really have any money to put aside for the future to actually invest with. And so when you start peeling back some of those layers, you find that there's probably some reasoning, whether it's the mindset or the behavior, the habits, whatever, that that person is running that negative cash flow. And that's where a financial coach really comes in and helps them identify those things and fix those behaviors so that they become ready for what you do. There are some people who need one, but not the other, right? There are some people who need both. And so um, I just want people to hear that. Now, I believe that whether or not you need a financial coach, you could really benefit from having a financial advisor. Having said that, I think there are probably some really scummy ones out there. So... So that's oh, yeah. why. <laughs> that's right. So that's why when I find a good one, someone who's honest and can be trusted, and you guys, I know I I have mentioned that I've only known Hunter for like three months, but I usually have a really good gut feeling. Like if if I have a, a feeling that someone's really kind of shady. I'm usually pretty right on about that. I let them prove it first. Like I don't just assume, right? Um, but the other, op- the opposite of that's true as well. If I have a chance to, or if I have a gut feeling that someone's really just on the up and up, they usually prove me right. And I just, I so far I've seen the way that you handle clients and the way that you've talked to those some of the referrals that I've sent you. And I just know that that's you're proving that to be a good gut feeling. So that's why yeah. I want I want people to be able to connect with you and find out like what okay so I've done some of this financial coaching stuff 
now who can I trust for the financial advising stuff? Would you mind telling us a little bit about, um, you said that, yes, you've seen some scummy, you know, in this industry. Tell us a little bit about like one of the worst things you've seen um, so that people can kind of go, oh yeah, that's a good example of what's not to look for. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm, I, I'm never going to, I'm not going to point fingers at a company or a person or anything, but um, just kind of generally speaking, and this is kind of what, you know, you had kind of asked me, what should people be looking for in a financial planner? So I guess this can almost be the opposite. <laughs> yep. Yep. They go hand in hand. Yeah, big time. So when I'm thinking about, you know, some, some advisors that um, you might want to stray away from, number one thing that kind of pops to mind is how people are structuring their fees. There are horror stories, you know, of people setting up their, their fee structure so that they basically don't have to do any work. They can go through and trade in, client, in clients' accounts and just trade stocks over and over and over, get paid for making all those trades, and it does nothing for their client. You're just paying them for no reason. So knowing how your advisor is going to charge you and making sure that it's a fair deal is really, really important. There's also a lot of people that, you know, call themselves financial advisors, but they're not. Do you know what I mean? Like, like there's a lot of maybe people that only sell permanent life insurance and only sell annuities. And there's a reason that some of these things have gotten such a bad rap because annuities and permanent life insurance policies, you know, they can pay a pretty good commission for people. So mm -hmm. there are people out there that, you know, you go in and tell them, Hey, I want to set up a retirement plan. And the first thing they say is, Oh, you should buy an annuity where, you know, that's really not probably the right call for that person, but they told you they're a financial advisor, but really you don't know. That's all they do. They just push annuity products to people and just ring in those commissions. So you have to be really careful. And, and like you said, it's really, really important that you trust and, and have a good relationship with that advisor because it should be something you're doing for the long haul. I mean, most relationships with advisors, they should last throughout your entire life realistically and then potentially even for your own kids. So it's super important that it is someone that you can trust with your money and that they actually are able to do the things that you want them to do, not just selling you on a single product. Perfect. So are there any like letters behind someone's name that people should specifically look for to, to know that they're not just a, an insurance salesperson, for example? Yeah. I mean, there's a million different designation, designations that you can get for all sorts of financial planning. I mean, realistically, you want to make sure that they at least have some of their series licenses. So I have my series seven, my series 66, and then my life and health insurance license. So I'm able to do the life insurance side because that is an important aspect of somebody's financial plan. I mean, you got to have some type of insurance, finding yeah. that correct type, um, you know, that's for your advisor to figure out. But in order to have my seven and 66, that allows me to be able to sell stocks and mutual funds and variable annuities and all those different things where if someone just has a life and health insurance license, they can't actually sell those stocks and things and build you a real portfolio then you can get as deep into looking at you know there's cfas and cfps a, a certified financial analyst and a certified financial planner and there's so many of those i'm actually in the process of getting my cfp to be the next step up in uh in what i'm doing for people and be a certified financial planner i think that it's just great to have and it really can separate you um from the majority of advisors out there. But just because someone doesn't have a CFP doesn't make them a bad advisor. But I would caution against working with someone in a full financial planning aspect that doesn't have the correct series license to build you an adequate portfolio.
if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I'll be honest, as, as you throw out all these numbers and letters, and it almost feels like we're eating alphabet soup, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, there's no way that I, or maybe even some of my listeners, are going to remember any of those yeah. actual series and license. But the, yeah. the most important thing, it sounds like, is to find out how um, how well-rounded is that person's ability, right? So, exactly. you know, if you... How, how how far does that stretch that like can exactly. they can they do more than just one thing that's going to be one of the most important questions to ask somebody and then they can say what are some of your you know licenses or record or what was the word that you used it was a good word um i don't remember but what Designate. are designations yeah so yeah. what are some of those designations and then they can go and, and look those up right exactly, exactly. <laughs> before they hire more the important. one that's yeah. more important that's what i'm saying it doesn't matter if they've got all the series in the world but um, if you're going to look for someone that's going to give you full-fledged financial planning advice, you don't want them to only be licensed to sell you insurance. Yep. Perfect. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Perfect. Very good. Um, you know, a lot of people like to find out how the people who are doing really well, how they screwed up. And that's one of the things that I, I share all the time on my show. Like, okay, this is where I am a real idiot in this area, right? Or even if it's something that I'm an expert in now, it's probably because I was an idiot before in the same thing. So if you don't mind, I'm asking for a little bit of vulnerability here. Yeah, totally. um, <laughs> what are, what's like one of the biggest mistakes that you think you've made? And it, it, it'd probably be around this area if you want, whether it's investing or whatever. But then I want you to take it a step further and go, why are you really glad that you made that mistake? Because it turned into something amazing later on. Yeah. So, you know, as I was kind of thinking about this and I've actually thought about this question a lot, you know, it's, it, um, it's something that can come up when you're talking to anybody about different job interview, whatever it is, but mm -hmm. um, kind of my biggest mistakes, I don't even think of them to be in the investment side. So as you know, your listeners obviously don't know, but I spend a lot of time around horses and cows and livestock and I've grown up around ranching and I team rope and rodeo. So a lot of my, um, childhood and growing up has been spent around animals and it's insane how much you can learn from being around horses and cows for a long period of time mm -hmm. <laughs> so as I was thinking about this you know the way that I've become a financial advisor and my thought process of being pretty analytical and I'm pretty goal-driven and I'm, I'm pretty systematic in how I like to do things I think a lot of that has to do with the mistakes that I've made growing up around animals realistically so Really, one of the biggest mistakes that I made around horses was two years ago, and I was roping in Las Vegas in the finals. And in this roping, to win this sucker, it pays over $300,000 a man to win oh, this thing. I mean, wow. it's like, it's life-changing money um, for anybody. It's, right? I mean, it, it's crazy. But anyways, we were, so in team roping, you have to catch four in a row to have a chance to get a check. And we had caught two in a row. We needed to catch one more in order to give us the opportunity to win a big check. Mm -hmm. And basically, without going into the details of team roping, I, I left too early and I basically committed a foul that cost us an extra five seconds. And oh. it took us out from being able to even have the opportunity to win. So we were set up amazingly. I made a, a, a mental mistake of just, you know, not fully preparing myself for the situation. And it, it killed me. Like, I was so angry. I... It's still like I get goosebumps thinking about it now because it was such a bad mistake. And, but as well, I and I'm going to interrupt you for a second because it didn't yeah. even affect you. It affected a whole team. So my that, partner, 
I had yeah. another person that had just driven from California all the way to Las Vegas who I just let down and his family, you know, uh -huh. like it was a big amount of money to be one. And it was yeah. because of me that we didn't get there. Oh, um, okay, go on. That I'm sorry. Really killed me. That really killed me. Because in team roping, you know, when if the contrary would have happened and you do win, you have extreme highs and extreme lows. So kind of being involved in team roping and rodeo and around animals, it's kind of taught me to balance those things and, and putting yourself in that many pressure situations. It's crazy how, you know, it doesn't only help me down the road in roping, but even during the coronavirus stuff, when there's these pressure, pressure situations and, and there's pressure calls to be made on investments, I like to think it doesn't rattle me as much as it would have if I hadn't have been in some of those situations before. Yeah. You got rid of all the jitters with, with the I got horses. rid of those jitters. <laughs> and you, just become, you know, the more that you're un, in uncomfortable situations, they become comfortable for you, right? So yes. high pressure situations, and then there's high pressure situations in investing. I mean, when the market's crashing every day, another 10%, 15%, and people are looking at you for answers, that's a pretty pressure filled situation. So, um, you know, I like to think that I've learned to handle some of those things a lot better than um, maybe someone that hasn't been in a lot of those situations, especially for a younger advisor. Um, I think that that's gifted me with a lot more knowledge than maybe other younger advisors would have. I agree. And I think it's so cool that you happen to be on a team with that example, because it's not just about, you know, figuring out how to deal under high pressure situations like that. You literally have somebody else's livelihood in your hands when you're talking about their investments and such. So not only, not only are you able to deal under pressure, but what I grabbed from that example, Hunter, is that you also are able to understand how that is going to affect somebody else. So it probably just creates a, a huge amount of empathy for you. And, and this sense of, you know, that it, there is it, it's a sense of importance, I think is what I'm looking at, that it's not just going to affect you, that it will have an impact on somebody else. And so I love that example. I think that's a great one. And, and yeah, I mean, you want to share with them what your age is, because you mentioned, I wasn't going to bring it up, but you mentioned yeah, that you're a young advisor. And actually, yeah. I think that's something that's awesome. So what's your age? Yeah, so I'm 24. I'll be 25 in September. And what what's your story why nah, I, I heard this in vegas but i love the yeah. story because you didn't just wake up one day and go i think i i think i'll be a financial advisor where's the history there for you yeah so my dad's financial advisor and i were super close he was just close with my family we were always great friends and i played a ton of golf with him i'm a really big avid golfer um and so anyways we'd be on the golf course all the time and i i knew what he did and i just saw you know, he, he was always happy and he was a great relationship guy. He was just so fun to be around. And I was always like, man, I, I wonder what he does all the time because he just has all of this freedom and he has such a great persona. I was kind of drawn to it. And mm -hmm. so I did an internship with him in high school and I kind of just fell in love with the industry. I mean, I had so much fun with him. I loved, like I said, I love the relationship side. I love the strategy side. I loved everything about it. And I was also interested in potentially becoming a lawyer. So I went and did a, um, an internship at a law firm. And after day one, I was like, <laughs> this is not happening. I sat in one arbitration, game over. I, I was so <laughs> done with it. <laughs> so I kind of just thought that, you know, through college, I went and got an economics degree and I was planning on maybe being in corporate finance and maybe being an advisor. And then when we moved to California, I've only lived here for the last three years now. Um, I was born here, but moved to Arizona, moved back. Anyways, when we moved back here, I went and did an internship, um, actually at a bigger wirehouse called Waddell and Reed. 
And again, I just, it kind of confirmed the love that I have for the industry. And I just started studying for all of my series licenses that I was talking about during my senior year of college so that I was licensed, not right after graduation, it took me a couple more months, but um, pretty quickly after. And I just got started right away. That's awesome. I love that you tried something else as well. And it, that here's, here's why. That could have been a decent paycheck for you as well, right? I mean, becoming a lawyer probably would have gotten you some decent money. But you knew that that wasn't you at a gut level, like it wasn't fun for you. And so you came instead and did something that you actually enjoy. So anybody who comes to you can know with confidence that you're not showing up to work every day just for a paycheck. You actually enjoy what you're doing. And, and this is, I think, this, I think that this is an industry that can't always be super enjoyable for everybody. <laughs> like, right? Like, can be stressful. <laughs> not, not just stressful, but like some people really just say, dude, help me make sure I have enough money to enjoy my life later on, but yeah. do not make me go through all of the, just the ick of combing through those numbers. Like that is so boring for so many people. Oh, right? man. So I, I think it's great that someone can connect with someone like you who not only knows the numbers and is smart, but also has fun with it. Cause I'm guessing you also make it fun for people. I try to, I tell people, you know, after our first meetings, I don't really like to meet in the office anymore. Like, let's go have lunch, hit a golf ball, go fish. I mean, whatever it is, it just, cause it, that relationship aspect is so important. And that's, that's part of what's enjoyable about it. You know, people don't want to just go sit down in a fancy conference room with your tie all snugged up and, and get your sparkling water and talk about finances. I mean, it's important to do that in the beginning and you got to go over all that stuff. But as our relationship grows and, and we continue down this path, I really don't like to, to go about it that way anymore. I mean, it should be something that I try to make enjoyable for people because if not, who the heck wants to go in and talk about their financial plan? I mean, nobody wakes up in the morning like, oh man, I can't wait to go meet with Hunter today and talk right. about my financial plan. I mean, <laughs> that's, that doesn't happen. So um, I think it's important to try to make it enjoyable in the best way that you can. Yeah. Well, the very fact that you remember growing up with your father's financial advisor and he was a close friend of the family. I mean, I think that says a whole lot because that just, it shows that that's important to you now and you're wanting to then replicate that for other people. So, I mean, it's unfortunate that not everyone can go out and golf with you, right? Cause you are able to help people. I know you mentioned that you used to live in Arizona and now you're in California, but you're able to help people from anywhere in the United States. Isn't that correct? Yeah, anywhere. Um, it's super easy. It's a, it's a small fee, depending on the state, um, to have my licenses cover that state. But currently, I have clients in Idaho, Nevada, California, and Arizona, those four right now. So I'm licensed in those four states. If I had a client that popped up somewhere else, I'd just pay the small fee and I'd be registered there. It's a super easy process. Perfect. I love that because you just don't know who's listening today and who says, oh my gosh, I really want to make sure that I hire that guy because, <laughs> because he's not only smart, but fun. And that really, I think that really does make a difference for a lot of the, at least the people who listen to my show, because yeah, fair, you know, fair. for me, that's important. So. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in to part one of my interview with Maria. We'll be back soon for part two. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.